Hey, Sasha. Hey, Courtney. Do you know how to kill a French vampire? Um, with a steak, but also in a French accent? <gasps> Mais non, with a baguette through its heart. Oh. It sounds easy, hmm. but the process is pan staking. Ho, ho, ho. C'est spooper. Everything with my French accent. Ho ho ho. Ho I'm so sorry to our like two French listeners who are now like, say fuck you guys. <laughs> <laughs> this is Sacre Bleu. <laughs> so, c'est spoop hour, a paranormal comedy podcast. Wait, I can do this. Le haut de spoop. Le haut de spoop. Paranormal comedy podcast. Bonjour. Bonjour. You can find us as always on the internet at spoop hour on Instagram and Twitter. Email us your spooky stories, spooky news stories, spooky rumors, whatever. <laughs> spooky rumors. <laughs> spooky rumors. Uh, I hear just... the Jersey Devil is dating Bigfoot now, even though Bigfoot used to date Jersey Devil's ex-Mothman. What do you guys think? <laughs> I don't know why. So anyway. My default rumor about spooky things is send, dating. Send us this weird shit <laughs> to spoophour at gmail.com. We did just any, ate lunch. We did. We've we've been hanging out since ten o'clock this morning because yeah. we we can start promoing it now yeah. that it's happened. I was afraid to say anything, but now we can. We were interviewed for a podcast we listened to, Woo! so that's going to be coming out towards the end of this month. So keep an eye out. We'll make sure that we tweet it. We'll Instagram yeah. it. This month is January. Oh fuck yeah, it is. At the end of January, two thousand and twenty. That's this year. That's the scary thing that happened to me. <laughs> it's a scary it's thing that fucking happened to everybody. Is this week? Did anything spooky happen to you this week? Yes. Several things. Last night, okay, two nights ago, my friend Julia came over and we made spam musubi. It was like spam rice balls. Spam donuts for those of you who watched the original Pokemon series. <laughs> um, they're popular in Hawaii. But we made those and then while I was like cooking everything, she was telling me about this book that she just read in one sitting over winter break because we are now at the end of my teacher winter break. A book by Ian Reed called... I'm thinking of ending things, mm-hmm. and I'm thinking of ending things is a is a title. Continue taking two ways, right? <laughs> it is a title. It is, it is a title, but it's, it's it can in be terms taken of two what ways. is on the cover of the book. Right. This part is the title. It can be taken two ways, right? I'm thinking of ending things could be like you want to break up with someone, yeah. or I'm thinking of ending things like I'm going to kill myself. Yes, right? which is very sad. Which is very sad. And so when she told me that the book was called "I'm Thinking of Ending Things," my first thought was. The, the suicide part, yeah. right? I was thinking it was like a 13 Reasons Why or whatever kind right. of Right. So my, my first thought was a suicide, but she told me that the book opens with like a girl going on a road trip um, to visit her boyfriend's parents mm-hmm. um, who she hasn't met before. And like, they, it's a couple weeks into, if, not a couple weeks, like a few months into their relationship. And she's like, not sure if she wants to keep dating this guy. And she's thinking of ending things, mm-hmm. right? And so it's the breakup way, right? And 
turn as she keeps describing what's going on here, she didn't tell me what genre this book was, but everything she told me was a little unsettling. And finally, she was like, "Is this horror?" And she was like, "Yes." <laughs> Sounds like horror. She was like, "I think you would like read the Wikipedia page out of this book, right?" And so she told me about this terrible, well. Well received book by book reviewers and publishers and all of this. Terrible for Sasha. But terrible for Sasha and terrible for Julia, who loves scary movies. Oh. But she was reading this book in one sitting at home alone. No. <laughs> um, no, and no, no. That's too many it, bad words. Lots of lots of twists, lots of unsettling things, lots of weird, vivid descriptions in places where you'd be like, why are you vividly describing this thing? Mm-hmm. And it sort of like worked its way into my psyche. Right? Sure. That was two nights ago. Okay. Last night. I had a really terrible nightmare um, inside a big building, which I've been having a lot of like big building nightmares mm-hmm. lately, where I'm just like constantly cannot find the elevator I'm oh, looking yeah. for, going down the wrong staircase. Yeah. There's like yep. a big atrium and someone fell and like that. Just like lots of weird heebie-jeebie things. I think it's also from watching Let's Play Control, mm-hmm. which is like a heebie-jeebie computer uh, video game. One of the things, and I think this is because I also listened to a podcast recently about Bioshock Infinite. Mm-hmm. For some reason, there was this barge that came through, and I was watching it on the distance, and some I looked down where I was, and there was like water below me, and these like weird blobs came up to the surface and then popped the container they were in and there were manatees Mm. swimming. And I was like, whoa, there's manatees. And I was like, that barge is coming in real quick. Manatees, that barge is coming in real quick. Manatees, that barge is getting too close. Oh no. This guy throws these nets off of the boat and he captures the manatees and then stacks them on top of this giant pile of dead manatees. Oh, no! And he's just, like, very neatly organizing and stacking these dead manatees. Like the Ikea of manatees. Right. But, like, their eyes are open, their mouths are open, and they're, like, looking right at me. And I woke up, and I was so scared. And so I told Julia that, like, I had a dream about... I'm I'm thinking thinking of ending things. And the worst part is, when I looked at the Wikipedia for I'm Thinking of Ending Things, instead of getting the result for the book first, I got the result for the movie. Because fucking Netflix optioned this for of a movie. Course. And so it's in development right fucking now. Netflix. And I think the thing that upsets me the most, knowing how much I know about the book, yeah. is that both the actor and actress who they hired to play the two main characters, uh-huh. the boyfriend and girlfriend, are both named Jesse. And I got so angry at just that little piece of information. I texted Julia, and she was like, absolutely not. And I was like, ah! Other scary things, yeah, it's 2020. Also, the world is terrifying. Do what you need to do to be okay right now. It's okay if you're not okay. Yeah. Oh, boy. A lot is going on in the world, so there are a lot of things to be upset about right now. What I've been doing, because I can't Mm -hmm. take it all on because I internalize a lot of things. I turned off all notifications from most of my news apps, except then... For me, I can go and visit and think about these things, but in order to keep myself functioning, alive, and healthy, I have to take good long breaks from it as well. Mm -hmm. So if you need to do that too, that's good. And welcome to an hour of us talking about things that aren't that so that you can feel a little okay. Do you remember the thing that I told you about this morning? Or like... an 
30 minutes ago when we were eating lunch and I said, don't give the patriarchy headspace. That's true. Don't give the patriarchy <laughs> fucking headspace, guys. It's 2020. What about you? Spooky things. Spooky things. Okay, so a spooky thing did actually happen to me. Oh. So I went to a New Year's party that I didn't host. The spookiest. And the person who hosted it has like a bar, like a like a little like cart bar, cart not bar, like yeah. a like yeah. like wet bar, like, like semi yeah. style, but like a little cart one, drink like, cart, yeah. yeah, like a drink cart, yeah. And it has like wine bottle holders mm-hmm. under it, and we're all like you know loudly talking. I'm telling him that fruit's not a dessert because fruit isn't a dessert. Fruit is fruit, mm-hmm. and dessert is dessert. And like we're talking about that, and like, what if you eat fruit after dinner? It's just fruit after dinner. It's okay. not dessert. All right. Like, so just as a, like a palate cleanser. Yes. Basically. This motherfucker though is like, I want dessert. Let me have. An apple. Oh. Exactly. Thank you. Thank See, you. I might make a fruit salad and to myself think of, this is going to take the place of my dessert. But it's taking the place of your dessert. It's not a dessert. Right. But I'm not going to be like, I'm going to eat this whole apple after dinner. As a dessert. No, you're eating an apple. Yesterday I had a salad for lunch and then I looked at my mandarins and went, I'm going to have two oranges. Yeah, bitch. But I didn't think of that. That was like part of my lunch. Like, it I wasn't was like, a dessert. Yeah. Exactly. Okay. I was like, this anyway. is just... The, the the coda to my <laughs> exactly so fruit is not a dessert you heard it here first folks and anyway we were talking about that and then all of a sudden he wasn't standing near the drink cart nobody was near the drink cart but a wine bottle that had previously been held in one of the wine things on the drink cart dropped and we all like jump out of our skin because it makes a big loud yeah. noise and we're like haha that's weird and I jokingly because I'm me I go haha wine bottles haunted then he's like haha he puts it back in and then we you know we go back to we play a party it's like game like the cat falling from the rafters yeah exactly <laughs> listen to uh the podcast you listen to. I don't think we were recording at that point uh. you'll never know that story <laughs> anyway so he puts it back on the little like wine bottle holder we go back to you know everybody's away from the drink cart we're playing this game called chameleon which was really fun and I was Ooh. really good at nobody pegged me for the chameleon because I'm an excellent liar and um, you heard it here first folks. you heard it here first folks i'm a great liar <laughs> <laughs> i try not to be a bad person i swear so we're playing chameleon again no one is near this drink cart mm-hmm. nothing could possibly wine bottle falls again and this time it takes like like a wine glass that's on it as well and they both thunk and roll and we're like well that's weird and then it happened a third time so anyway i was around a haunted wine bottle on new year's eve amazing that so, just reminds me of the time that Jack and I came back from something, at least when he, we weren't living together, but he came back, we came back from some event, and we were just going to say, like, hi to his friends who were playing board games oh, on the yeah. kitchen table, and go upstairs and, like, forget about the night, and, like, okay, it's very late at night, we're going to go to bed. I think and that was, like, we were having a Halloween party. Oh, that's or, what, Like, yeah. we were having some sort of thing that you were coming we came, to, Yeah, we came here, here, and then we left to go sleep at his house, and all of a sudden, their entire bar just died like just the collapsed. leg broke three shelves broke and it was just shattering glass everywhere and <sighs> we were like who the fuck is in here besides us this is why they call them spirits guys <laughs> <laughs> this is the content you listen to <laughs> you guys we've been hanging out for like six hours at this yeah. point and so we, we're a little silly we recorded some bon con some bone con bone con Bonus content. Bonus content for Patreon. So if you're not on our Patreon and would like to, for as little as $3 a month, you get access to Bone Cone like what we just recorded. And we're going to record some more after this. We are marathoning it. 2020. All right. What are we talking about today? The Aztecs. Aztecs. We're talking about their gods, their myths, their legends, their spooky shit. Ritual sacrifice. Sure. Can't talk about the Aztecs without talking about ritual sacrifice. 
So this is an episode that we've talked about doing for a long time because it's something that we were both interested in. And in the early days of Spoop Hour, we were like, we should do an episode about it. Mm -hmm. And then we just kept not doing it. Yeah. But we're going to do it today. Yeah. And in my research, cursory research last night, I was thinking about the Aztecs a lot. And like, I found this thing that I'll talk about with ritual sacrifice. And I was like, but I have this like vivid image in my head, like an animation or something yeah. of like ritual sacrifice on top of one of those uh, pyramids in Mexico. Yeah. And I was like, why is this circulating? Like, why am I remembering this? The and body snatcher who body snatched you used body, to do uh, ritual sacrifices? Yes, the body snatcher who used to body snatch me used to do ritual sacrifice. That's a, um, that's a hyphenate body snatcher, you know? Yeah. He's got a lot of good shit going on for him. Good for him. So in like 1995, 1996, when I was a baby, my parents let me play with their old Macintosh. Like there was a lot of like these weird printed out pictures on, you know, the printer paper that had like the, yeah, the bits the things on the you sides, tear, yeah, yeah. tear off and like all the paper comes Dot attached. matrix printers. Yeah. So there was like kid pics art of just yeah. like two-year-old Sasha just clicking around and making colors and like we used to always write mm, pie I don't know why we thought it was the funniest thing in the world so we'd be playing in like kid pics and we'd just write mmm pie and so I'd be playing with everything so it's like what a two-year-old would draw with yeah. a mouse right um, mm, and pie. so then my parents got me into like reader rabbit and treasure math storm and Ooh, you know treasure all of these storm. like different you know, kid games, thinking things. Oh my yeah. god, I fucking love thinking things. Um, I hate thinking things because I don't like to think. Well, so that's the thing. I never. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Of, we never played that one. Thinking things is like its own title, so I've never thought of it as its two separate words. As in I mean, thinking, thinking things. things. Yeah. But then my dad also got me. I think probably when I was around five or six. Yes. This computer game called Explorers of the New World. Oh. And in Explorers of the New World, you follow in the footsteps of. Columbus, Magellan, and Cortez. Oh. And you... And what footsteps they are. And what footsteps. And there's also, like, a database of, like, additional explorers where they have, like, a little blurb, a little video, and stuff like yeah. that. So it was, like, a very full game. And when you... If you go on YouTube, you can actually find, like, a demo where they show you how to, like, navigate the game. Yeah. For each of the explorers, there's, like, a different map. And so you can click on each leg of the map and, like, see what their adventures are like or what the what their experience was like, what the locals were like, and that kind of thing. And this memory of playing this game, <laughs> I, I wish, wish everyone, you guys could I wish see everyone the dance. Could see me and do this she dance did like a like, weird like arm goes in, like bubbling snake comes up, out. sneaking up out of my brain. <laughs> this thing just like came up where I was like, "That's where the Aztec thing came from." Right? No. Okay. I know the title of the game now. I spent forty minutes yesterday. <laughs> Trying so many different search queries <laughs> to find this computer game that had Cortez's like journey through Mexico and like like ex running into the Aztecs and the just like the experience there, what the Aztecs were like and that kind of thing. A lot of computer games in that time period in the '90s, there were a bunch about different explorers, and also about the Mayans and Aztecs. It's true. It's very strange. There were a lot of children's computer games, very educational, <laughs> about, like, South America. I and feel like in the 90s was when people started to be like, oh, wow, white people eradicated a lot of culture. We gotta maybe, like, walk that back a little. <laughs> yeah, and so you can still get it on Amazon. Oh. For, like... 30 bucks. Oh, no, for 18 bucks. That's not bad. And then I think you can also download it. I found it on oldgames.com. It looks <laughs> like you can still download it. And, like, they tell you how to run it on a modern PC. I was going to say, that's how I downloaded Ski Free, which I think is still on my computer. Yeah. You remember Ski Free, where the Yeti comes and eats you if you're too good at yep. it? Ah, uh, Ski Free. Probably why I'm into Yetis now. <laughs> and the thing is, it was, like, 
for my five-year-old, six-year-old brain. Yeah. Like, actually, this game is probably better for, like, fifth or sixth graders. Yeah. But I was like, I want to learn all I can. It's, like, a combination of, like, 3D and also, like, they filmed the explorers talking. Kind of like oh. if you've ever played Myst, there was, like, a film component with, like, the 3D environments component. So, like, there actually was a man named Christopher Columbus and he wore a cape and he was like, I am Columbus and da 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 I've come spoke, to pillage. He, he spoke with, you know, they all spoke with, like, these, you know, their, their thick accents. And I just remember, like, being very traumatized. <laughs> by the animation of the Aztec stabbing the guy with the obsidian blade and cutting him up, pulling out his heart and holding it up to the sky. <laughs> and so as I was reading about ritual sacrifice in my research last night, it all, came, it all back. came back. And so now I like really want to download this game to my PC. You and should. Like, play it again. Yeah, report back next week. Yeah, so... I'm going to hold you to so this. So I just wanted to let you know that like... My research for today's episode took me down a very weird place, and then it was 1 a.m., and I was like, fuck, I need to go to bed. It's true. To kick us off into the topic of Aztecs, I have a featured creature. Featured creature. Yay! It's been a while since we've done one of these, since the Yukon beaver eater in the Canada episode. Beaver eater. <laughs> so, this is courtesy of nativelanguages.org and Wikipedia. Give them some money. Is native lang... Oh, sorry. Not to look at your thing. Cheater. I found a video from something called Native Lang... On no, YouTube. It's, it's native hash it's native hyphen languages. languages. Okay. I think I might have used some in my research oh, too. Okay. Yeah. Well then maybe you'll know what this is. Maybe maybe not. No. Okay. <laughs> well, Lower your expectations. Alright. Blub blub hiss bork, it's me, the Aztec legendary cryptid slash monster. Not to be confused with the Aztec ruler of the same name that made Courtney's research quite difficult. Montezuma. <laughs> yeah. No. No. <laughs> <laughs> the end the of Montezuma. No. I found out that this was a cryptid, and then I googled the name, and it's like, this person was an emperor from this time to this time, and he did, da, 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 da. and I'm like, is it not actually a cryptid? And then I searched, like, legend, and then it was like, oh, okay, it's both. That's fine. While my name might mean water opossum, my actual appearance is closer to the alternate translation of spiny aquatic thing. I may be a bit dog-like, and my waterproof fur often sticks up in spiky clumps. I have hands though the amount of them and location may vary. I might have two in the regular human place that look like raccoon hands, mm-hmm. or I might just have the one on my tail, and the one on my tail is the one you should look out for. I spend my days living in or near bodies of water and waiting for unsuspecting people to wander too close to me, at which point I grab them with my tail hand and drag them down to the depths to drown them and eat my favorite bits, which are eyes, nails, and teeth. I've got a unique palate. What can I say? Also, like, respect for this creature for eating nails' teeth. Right. The good news for my victims is that they are destined for paradise after they die, and they go on to party with the god Tlaloc. But more on that later. If I've been hanging out the water without catching a victim at all, you'll hear me crying. Aww. And it will sound like a little baby. But if you then go looking for the sad child, guess what? Danger. I'll get ya. Oh, God. Need some clues to guess what I am? A weasel-waddle. A weasel-waddle. Do you want to learn how to pronounce pronounce it? it, Because I found... That was the hardest part. I watched (laughs) three different videos yesterday about the, like, Aztec language. Yeah. It's so hard to pronounce, I will say, Wikipedia has a list of IPA for the Aztec language. And so I was going off of the, like... I I was looking up each individual symbol and spelling it out. So I'm like... 47% 47% certain I'm pronouncing this right. Okay, so it's an abbreviated scream sound. Ah. Uh, 
What you do to black-eyed kids crossed with what water is? We. <laughs> uh, wet. No. Times what you do to black-eyed kids. Hit. Kick. Eat. Yeet. Yeet. For fuck's sake. Oh. I'm like miming Yeet. yeeting them Yeet. and Sasha's going eat. Kick. <laughs> I'm using my arm. How do you kick with your arm? So yes, wet yeet. times yeet is wheat. Wheat. Yeah. I guess I could have A gone wheat. with like what flour is made of, but wheat. I was doing this wheat. at a different time in my life. Anyway. A needle pulling thread. So. And what you do to soil to aerate it, I think, IDK, I'm not a farmer. Coddle. No, I don't know. <laughs> Till. A wheat so wattle. That's right, I'm a wheat sodal. Well, a wheat sodal, okay. How did I know that? Because <laughs> I looked up some gods and goddesses uh, yesterday. <laughs> yeah, I had a feeling like I saw that and I was like, I'm going to tell Sasha she can do gods and goddesses. And I'm like, if she finds nativelanguages.org, that's exactly that's where one this of the, research one started. Of the tabs I had open. Anyway, this is what it looks like. Yeah. Yeah. A little hand on little his hand on his tail, and he's like, hey guys, what's up? And that's Awit Sotal. Cool. All right. Where do we want to start? So I have the afterlife and like stuff about like ghost lore okay. in the Aztecs. I have the Aztec creation myth about Ooh. the fifth sun. Ooh. And then, or the five suns, and then some general, like this, the 12, the, you know, top Aztec gods of uh, Mexica mythology, and then human sacrifice. All right, so. how about you start with the creation myth? Yeah. So we'll start with creating, mm-hmm. and then we'll get into my when you die. Yeah. Okay. Cool, let's do this. So, at the beginning of the world, there is only darkness. Oh, this is from ancientorigins.net. So oh, there nice. is only darkness and a void. And creation began when the dual Lord of Duality and Lady Duality, Lady of Duality, Ometequitli, and Ometequitli, created itself. We're doing our best. If we're wrong, please email us. We'd love to learn. Again, I watched three different pronunciation videos (laughs) yesterday about like, not not necessarily about individual words, but just like how the language is put together. And like, even though like a lot of it was in pictographs because of Spanish conquistadors having scholars with them to record everything, the Spaniards started writing down and tried to make like a very like primitive, but basically a language guide yeah. of, like, how to communicate with the other... Hello, group. I am here to pillage you. Yes, basically. Yeah. And so there is some written versions of the language that the Spaniards sort of recorded, and then there's still versions of the language still spoken that's kind of called, like, common language, just, like, a lot of, like, rural people will in Mexico will speak it. So I, I'm trying... So this first god was both good and bad, male and female, and then gave birth to four other gods. Huizilopotli, Quetzalcoatl, and Tezcatilpoca, and Zipetotec. And those gods are the four who created the world. The first things created by Quetzalcoatl and Huizilopotli were fire and half-sun. They then took, undertook the creation of humanity by sacrificing a god whose blood drops on a massive, massive ground-up bones and produced the first man and first woman. Shit, they started early with how metal they were. They did, yeah. <laughs> Osho- you know how we created you? We sacrificed a fucking god. <laughs> Oshomoko and Chiapactonal, respectively. And the birth of each took four days. Okay. After the creation of man, the gods continued creating lords of the underworlds, the heaven, and the waters. A crocodile-like water creature named Chipaktali and the rain god Tlaloc and his wife Shalishuktulikwe. I think it's Tlaloc. 
Because he, he oh, comes Tula up in line. Yeah, Tlaloc. Yeah, yeah, he it was has like the Tla together is really hard. So Tlaloc. And when the initial creation was completed, a cycle of five suns followed, which corresponded to five world ages, each one ending in destruction. Is this suns like what's in the sky or yeah. like what comes oh, out of uh, the, um, the In the sky. Okay. Five suns. According to the Aztecs, we are currently on the fifth sun of the creation. Uh-oh. So the first sun was the element of earth, basically. Surprise. Te- uh, Tezcatlipoca was chosen to be sacrificed to create an energy source for the planet, though he only managed to become half a sun. Um, during this That's age, kind of mean. I know. Your brothers and sisters are sacrificing you to create life, and then they're like, well, you weren't enough, and now we've got shitty half-life. Thanks <laughs> a lot, bro. <laughs> so during this age, a fight transpired between Quetzalcoatl and Tezcatlipoca. Um, Quetzalcoatl was the victor, but Tezcatlipoca took revenge by sending jaguars on Earth to destroy the giants. Ooh. Thus came the end to the first sun. All right. The second sun, what, their element was air. The Quetzalcoatl was in control uh, in this era. Humans were created according to our current likeness, but became corrupt. As a result, Tezcatlipoca transformed them into monkeys, and Quetzalcoatl sent hurricanes to wipe the monkeys out. Mm-hmm. There were survivors who, according to legend, are current-day monkeys. Oh, okay. Yeah. It, the third sun, the element was fire, and the god wa- responsible for that era was Tlaloc. Um, and the god of rain and water. Yeah. A fight ensued between Tezcatlipoca and Tlaloc when Tezcatlipoca stole Tlaloc's wife. Oh, out that's of, rude. Out of revenge, Tlaloc transformed all of humanity into turkeys, dogs, and butterflies. <laughs> Whom among us, after a really gnarly breakup, hasn't made some bad choices? <laughs> and, you know, turned all of humanity into turkeys, dogs, right. and... Butterflies. Butterflies, thank you. <laughs> Quetzalcoatl rained fire and ash down on the atrocities, cons- causing the destruction of humanity for the third time. <laughs> Man. I mean, given the mess that humanity is in, I'm like, this makes sense. This makes sense. We are sloppy. <laughs> so the fourth sun, the element related to this world age was water, and the god chosen to reign was Tlaloc's sister, Kalchitwetlikwe. During this sun, Quetzalcoatl and Tezcatlipoca were filled with jealousy and brought the sun down. <sighs> the population were turned into fish, and this age was ultimately terminated by a great flood. Okay, but also, why are men? Why are men? She was doing a great job, and then they're like, no, I want the world. Well, you fucked it up when you had your turn. Again, it's our don't turn. give the patriarchy head space. <laughs> the fifth sun, and this is the age that we are currently in. Okay. And the god Nana Huatzin is responsible for it. Okay. The legend foretells that this era will end with earthquakes. As we are currently oh. waiting for the big one, I, yeah. <laughs> I believe it. <laughs> Representation of one version of the creation myth, along with five suns, is thought to be inscribed on the Aztec calendar stone. And multiple gods are playing a prominent role in this creation, and the quarrels between gods determine the course of humanity, kind of much in the same way that Egyptian texts, Sumerian texts, Greek mythology, and other major religions also deal with not a monotheistic uh, but polytheistic religion. Mm-hmm. So it's um, so that was kind of like the main reason why we exist. So oh. that's the Aztec origins. I like that. Yeah, I do too. That's a good... That's a, that's that's a, a very chaotic, like chaotic energy. <laughs> yeah, it's almost like, and I realize they're on like complete opposite sides of the world, but like almost like the Greek god sense of like, the gods, they're just like us. Like all of the Us Weekly like celebrities, they're yeah. just like us. They also buy tampons. But, like, it's like the gods. They're also petty and want things that they don't have and are mad at their brother for stealing their girlfriend. Yeah. Like, that it's, makes sense. Right. Like, 
why do we assume they're better than us? Before the English 11 curriculum kind of changed, I used to do cre- uh, Native American creation myths, um, mostly trickster tales. Love them. Um, and then Love again, a good trickster the, tale. Um, and then like kind of world on the turtle's back yeah, um, yeah. story. And so for those, I mean, they also are kind of not chaotic, but like they have a lot of conflict yeah. in the creation of Earth. A lot of squabbles. A lot. I feel like every culture that has a creation story. The world is in chaos for a really long time, <laughs> which makes sense it when you're does. thinking about like how hard it was to survive. Yeah. In times past, I mean, it's yeah. hard to survive now, but in and a different it's way. It's so much better right? now. We, in so many ways. We have immunizations. Yes. We have medicine. Yeah, I we have ways t- to treat disease. I can take two Tylenol and two Benadryl when I have a really bad migraine before bed. Yeah. You know, like, and I'm fine. And it's not like. Well, we're gonna put some leeches on you, but probably this is the end for you. So you had a good run. You're 17. Yeah. You've got grandkids. It's time for you to shuffle off this mortal coil. Like, it makes sense, given yeah. where we're at now, that everything would have been born of chaos. Yeah, Ugh. exactly. So it's I'm I'm into it. Thought Company had a really nice list of kind of the 10 of m- most important of maybe the 200 plus deities in yeah. the Aztec religion. So the first one was you know Huitzilopochtli. Pochtli, which was in the story, right? Mm-hmm. The patron god of the Aztecs. And that's our he's, modern yeah, dude, right? That's, um, he's fifth the... Fifth son. Yeah, he's the fifth son. Cool. And his name means hummingbird of the left. Aww. <laughs> um, and he's the patron of war and sacrifice. Then there's Tlaloc, the god of rain and storms, which yeah. I think you're going to be talking about. Yes, more right? on him in a minute. There's Tonatia, who is the god of the sun. This one says fifth son. Oh, maybe oh, I got them maybe. confused. Yeah, maybe it's both. But um, Tonatia... His uh, face is actually inside the center of the Aztec sunstone. Oh. Then there's Tezcatlipoca, which is the god of the night, whose name means smoking mirror. And he's often represented as an evil power associated with death and cold. Does he come up in yours? Uh, Maybe not. No, no actually. Okay. I have another person who's in charge of death. And he is basically the opposite of Quetzalcoatl, mm. right? Um, who is... Uh, not all of that. Feather serpent dead. life guy. Yeah, feather serpent life guy. <laughs> then there's Tlaltitlique, the goddess of running water and all aquatic elements. Nice. Meaning she of the jade skirt. And she was also the wife of, wife and or sister, depending on which one you're looking at. I mean, as we've learned from the Greek gods, porque no los dos. Porque no los dos. Was often, was also the patron patroness of childbirth. Oh, yeah. I've got some stuff about childbirth in mind, so yeah. strap in. We're going to Chekhov's gun, the concept of childbirth. Sentaatl, it was the god of um, corn, of maize. Okay. And is also based on a pan-Mesoamerican god shared also by the Olmec and Maya. And he's closely related to Tlaloc and is represented with like a corn, like a corn cob popping out of his headdress. Um, and then, yeah, Quetzalcoatl, the feather, feathered serpent, Quetzalcoatl, we've talked about him, but he's the positive counterpart of his brother. And he's also actually known in many other Mesoamerican cultures, like the Teotihuacan yes. and the Maya. And he is linked to the idea that the last Aztec emperor, I looked up the pronunciation of his name because we call him Montezuma or he could be Moctezuma, mm-hmm. but there's also like a very different way. Maybe the actual pronunciation oh. I found that on YouTube, we'll link it somewhere, 
it was very fascinating for oh. his name. But basically, it's believed that the arrival of the Spanish conquistador Cortez was fulfilling the prophecy about the return of the god, but now many scholars are like, mm, that sounds Spanish. <laughs> like, that sounds, sounds Spanish, but okay. Sounds post-conquest. <laughs> but okay. <laughs> then there's Xipetotec, who is our lord with flayed skin, um, or the god of ar- agricultural fertility, the east, and goldsmiths. Oh. Um, he is usually portrayed wearing a flayed human skin, representing the death of old and the growth of new vegetation. Sure. Sure. <laughs> Maya whale is the Aztec dog of the magui plant, which is gives you like a very sweet sap, which oh. is considered her blood, but then also like they use it in food. Nice. And she was known as the woman of the 400 breasts to feed her children the Senzon Totochin or the 400 rabbits. Wow. And then the thought companies sort of ended their primer ends with Tlaltecuctli. There you go. The monstrous earth goddess whose name means and I think all of us should aim to be like this, the one who gives and devours life. Yes! Requ- 2020 move! She required many human sacrifices to sustain her. Ooh, um, and she same. represents the surface of Earth who angrily devours the sun every evening just to give it back the next day. So Ooh. that is most of our uh, Aztec gods. Or not most. A, a sliver. Yeah. Ten, a, a ten, of, ten of more than 200. A little a little um, taster. And I'm going to check off gun human sacrifice. Yay! And let Courtney take over. All right, so we've talked about how we got here. Now let's what, talk about what happens when we go. Ooh. So let's talk about the Aztec concept of the afterlife, which I got really into because it was really interesting. Shout out to Wikipedia, Aztecs.MrDunn.org, ChristyCenter.org, MexicoLore.co.uk, and Patheos.com. The Aztecs had a unique perspective on death that dramatically differs from the Western Christian tradition, and it even differs from things like Buddhism, Hinduism, things like that, where the life you lead impacts where you go Mm. when you're donezo. Mm -hmm. Instead of doing that, the Aztecs base where you go after you die solely on how you die. So it has, you could be the worst person to ever live, but if you die a certain way, you're still going to paradise. Hmm. Or like, if you were like a totally normal person, you were mostly nice, you can still go to oh, like no. the shitty place. So let's go into the three main afterlife options, shall we? Okay. The first, probably most common and probably frankly where most of us are going to end up underworld is Mictlan. Mm-hmm. So Mictlan is where you end up when you live a long and happy life and die of old age, illness, or some other boring cause. So like if you die of what's deemed natural causes, welcome to Mictlan, son. That's it. And Mictlan consists of nine levels, which are kind of like Dante's circles of hell where there are different challenging things for nine levels. And when you arrive at Mictlan after your boring death, you're going to start getting interesting real fast. Basically, you journey for four years to get from the first level, where you arrive, to the uh-huh. ninth level, which is your finest, final destination. You'll have a psychopomp, which Wikipedia defines as like a spirit guide. So these are the things that meet you at the afterlife and are like, all right, let's journey. That's called a psychopomp. And you'll get one of those. In this case, you'll get Zolat, who is a god associated with lightning, death, dogs, and sunset. Hmm. So he's waiting for you when you die. He's like, what up? Let's do this. He and probably a friendly dog companion, and I put in my notes, IDK if it's friendly, but let's have this, yeah? Yeah, friendly dog. (laughs) Bork, bork, let's do this. They will lead you through each of the levels as you face new tortures. Fun fact, Zola is the twin brother of Quetzalcoatl, god of wind, air, Mm -hmm. and learning. 
Sasha just told us about him. He's got a twin. He's waiting for you when you die. Probably. Yep. So, now you have Zolot. You have your dog. Time to figure out these nine levels. From the time you are on the first level to the time you have delved deep into the earth to reach the nine level, you are beset by tortures. And these are anything from you have to traverse mountains that are actively crashing together. Mm -hmm. You are having, you're walking through a place where your skin is torn to shreds by having harsh winds that may or may not have knives in it. Hmm. You know, normal weather stuff. Normal weather stuff. Or you might have to cross a river of blood plagued by jaguars. Or, good old-fashioned, your heart's going to get torn down. Cool. So that's fine. And it's going to take you, again, four years to start on the first level and make it to the ninth level. So. It's like high school. It's like high school. It's going to feel like they're blowing knives at you, and you just kind of got to buckle down and get through it. Hmm. We're so sorry. (laughs) Anyway, so you've done your four years. You're in the ninth level now. And now it's time to meet Mictlan Tecultli, Mm -hmm. who is the king of Mictlan. God of the Dead, and your new overlord. He is most commonly depicted as being a tall and blood-spattered skeleton, although occasionally he's a person wearing a skull-like mask. Like, he's wearing, like, either a skull-like mask or he's wearing a person's skull like a mask. It's unclear. Skeleton-looking motherfucker who's also tall. That's this guy. Okay. The living would sometimes worship the Lord of the Dead by practicing cannibalism. Because, you know, typically accompanying Mictlante Kulit Typically, accompanying Mictlan Tequitli is his wife and lady of the dead, Mictekasi Waddle. She is very possibly the inspiration for, or was eventually replaced by, La Catrina, the symbol of Dia de los Muertos. So, you know, the Mm -hmm. skeleton woman who we kind of think of when we think of Mm -hmm. Dia de los Muertos? There's a good chance that either she combined with other, like, conquistador lore Mm -hmm. to create uh, La Catrina, or she just sort of evolved on her own to be La Catrina. So that's, mm. you know, makes sense that a skeleton dude would have a skeleton lady yeah. accompanying him as the lord and lady of the underworld. Anyway, they live in a windowless house in the center of Mitlan, and presumably that's where the four years dead person after their journey reports. Mm-hmm. Even if you died a boring death, you were expected to be buried with valuables that you would then present to Mictlan Tecutli. Mm-hmm. These gifts aren't a bribe, though, so he's not going to treat you any nicer if you give him nice things. It's sort of like... Thanks for giving me this nice thing, but, uh... Yeah, let's let's see you work for it, bitch. Keeping you things above board, you're not special. I've read different accounts. One where it's like, it's like a payment for being like, thanks for housing my dead ass. Mm -hmm. Or it's just like, you know, a sign of respect to a god as you bring them something. So it's like, when someone invites you over to their house, you bring a bottle of wine. It's like that, but with death. Afterlife number two. So we've gone over Mixalon where most of us are going to end up. Afterlife number two. If you were a warrior who died in battle, you would be transformed into a hummingbird and become a companion and protector of the sun. The hummingbird of the left. Yeah. <laughs> Warriors also possibly spent four years helping the sunrise and travel to the afternoon. And then at the conclusion of the four years would be reincarnated as a hummingbird. I read different accounts. It's hard to say. Like, hummingbirds are involved. At some point in this afterlife, you're going to be helping the sun. It's just unclear if you're doing that as a hummingbird or if your warrior ghost you, you help the sun for four years, you serve your term, and then you become a hummingbird and it all starts again. Hmm. Interestingly, women who died in childbirth also became companions to the sun, as childbirth was believed to be a battle and an honorable way to die. Oh. So that's why they end up in the same place that warriors do, which is pretty baller. Yeah, I was going to say, I mean... I, I was talking about, like, childbirth and, like, 
miscarriages and stuff with my mom the other day. Yeah. As you do. In Japan, you don't have baby showers before the baby's born. You have a 100-day ceremony. Oh, that makes sense. Yeah, so that baby's, the baby's been healthy. good for 100 yeah. days. But, yeah, that makes... I, I like that idea of, like... Women it, who die in childbirth are the same as warriors who die in battle. Right, it's like, you're not any less of a... Per, like... I'm thinking about the time, they don't have, like, uh, the medical advances that right. we have now to keep women alive, you know, during childbirth and, like, take care of them. It's a hard thing for your body to go yeah, through. Yeah, it's a battle. And, and it is a battle and that they acknowledge that it's hard. It's tough. Yeah, like, I think, as a general rule of thumb, we assume that everything has been terrible for women in history because, for the most part, it has been, and for marginalized people even more so. And so to hear this where it's like, yes, you're a woman and yes, you died doing the thing that women do, but you are going to go to the same place that a warrior who died gloriously does. Like, fucking respect. Unfortunately, this is going to get a little dark. Mm. So these women... You're talking about death after all. I mean, we are talking about death. It's about to get a little little spookier, Mm. you guys. I was like, oh shit, that sounds familiar. Anyway, so these women, so like I said, the warriors are going to push the sun up until like noon, like Mm -hmm. midday, and then the women who died in childbirth take over pushing the sun duty in the afternoon until sunset. Mm -hmm. So warriors in the morning, women in the afternoon, sun goes round. Unfortunately, women who died in childbirth would also come back for five days a year. Doesn't that sound nice? No more to this story. Just, Just leave it there. Yep. No. You aren't going to leave I'm it not there. going to. I have to tell you, because I have to know it, so you do too. Oh, good. The Siwateteo would return to Earth for five days and haunt crossroads in the hopes of stealing children that this they couldn't have themselves. familiar. Does it sound like La Llorona? It sounds like La Llorona. Yeah, like same kind of thing. So probably evolved into the La Llorona ah. myth. They weren't afraid to strike down mothers to steal kids either. So oh. they're like... Look, bitch, this kid is mine now, kabam, for five days of the year. So 360 days. Fine. fine. Crossroads with ease. Five days a year, shit, maybe stay inside. Do you know which five five years? Yes, it's a a designated five Five days days in the Aztec calendar. I don't know what it corresponds to on the Western calendar, but it is the same five days in the Aztec calendar. As a precaution, some people would also hang amulets in their home in case Siwateteo went wandering. Okay. So... Afterlife's one and two. Knocked out. You ready for afterlife number three? Afterlife number three. This one, arguably, I would say sounds the nicest. (laughs) And. Oh boy. The way you die to get into it is kind of like the most random, but okay. If you died by drowning, getting hit by lightning, extreme violence, so if you were like horribly, brutally murdered, or of any water-related illness like dropsy, I put in my notes, I thought only fish could get that. Oh God. Because I didn't think only fish could get that, but apparently not. Or gout. Tlaloc, the god of rain and earthly fertility, would whisk you off to Tlalocan, a paradise contained within the 13 heavens. So, like, it sucks that you drown, but you end up in a paradise. So, so like, it could be worse. Like, honestly, of the ones that I read about, like, and there are others, but the, of the ones that I read about, these, this one sounds like the most chill. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, regardless of where you end up, the consensus is that you're expected to work during your afterlife either by protecting the sun or generally doing the bidding of the god that's overseeing your particular afterlife. Damn. So, like, if you're in Nictlan, whatever the Lord of the Dead wants down there, you're gonna do. If you're in Tlalocan, Tlaloc is gonna be like, hey, who wants to do a beer run down to 7-Eleven? You're gonna have to be the one who does the beer run at the 7-Eleven. I was just thinking about, like, when people are like, they work really hard and they say, I'll sleep when I'm dead. Or yeah. I'll, like, relax when I'm dead. So, not the Aztecs. Not the Aztecs. The Aztecs are like, I'll continue working when I'm dead. <laughs> All right. So, 
Let's talk about human sacrifice before we talk about cuter things like dogs. Yes. (laughs) You don't know that I'm talking about dogs. That's a weird guess. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. So human sacrifice was a common practice in various parts of Mesoamerica. So it wasn't anything new when like the Aztecs were doing it Mm -hmm. because it was already performed by other Mesoamerican cultures like the Purep. Pichas and the Toltecs, and also as early as the Olmecs as oh, well. Oh, wow. So it's it's been a while. It's been around. It's been around. The Aztecs get the bum rap for it, but kind of everybody was doing it. And the bu- Aztecs get the bum rap for it because in 1521, Cortez showed up. <laughs> and Cortez, and- who has no right judging anybody for violence, is like, y'all are violent. And it's like, listen here, bitch. Yeah. <laughs> so like a Spaniard scholars who were along with the conquistadors were like either participating in it or like taking research notes and like Mm -hmm. doing like kind of anthropological study of it Mm -hmm. and so they they were like relating like either testimonies from Aztecs themselves or like firsthand accounts of Mm -hmm. it so that's sort of like how we know it and also since the late 1970s they've been doing a lot of like archaeological excavations at many of the major pyramids Mm -hmm. around uh, Mexico so th- there's like evidence of this. So the role of sacrifice in Aztec culture, many thanks to all. Oh, is that the puppy you're going to be talking about? Maybe. Maybe. Maybe I just wanted that. to show you some puppies while you talk about human sacrifice. <laughs> so it was very, it was a very common theme in the uh, Aztec culture, as I mentioned before, with that five sons right. creation myth. All of the gods sacrificed themselves at some point so that mankind could live. And at some years after the Spanish conquest of Mexico, there was a group of Franciscans who confronted the kind of remaining Aztec priests and said, under basically the threat of death because their westerns are terrible, Class. that basically the Aztecs stopped doing their traditional practice of human sacrifice. And the Aztec priests defended themselves by saying, life is because of the gods. Mm-hmm. With their sacrifice, they gave us life. They produce our sustenance, which nourishes life. And so therefore, they need to keep doing the sacrifices as well. Plus, when you think about how the Aztecs consider the afterlife, it depends on how you die. Mm -hmm. What better way could there be to die than to die for your God? Mm -hmm. Like, in terms of this is how their mindset is. And like... The reason why their afterlifes are, for the most part, so bleak is because, like, it was a hard life being an Aztec because life was fucking hard back then. So, like, of course the afterlife, they're like, yeah, probably sucks too because this sucks. Yeah. And there was, like, a certain sense of, like, indebtedness connected with that worldview that the gods sacrificed themselves, so we should be working hard and sacrificing ourselves as well. Yeah. And that, basically, the quote-unquote victims of ritual sacrifice were people who gave their service. Yeah, and so like... it was... It we're, was we're not pro-human sacrifice oh, yeah, on no, this podcast, I'm just, but from like a cultural perspective, like it was a great honor to be sacrificed, yeah. and it's basically you're writing your ticket to one of those 13 paradises. Yeah. Some other Spaniards who were there studying them said that the Aztecs would gar- gladly part with everything, not just their, themselves, but like... Yeah things and I just basically that they're constantly trying to repay their debt to each other mm-hmm. and to the gods and even the like the pyramid temples were an offering mound because they were crammed with like fine art and treasure oh, and then wow. as well as the people they were who were sacrificed right. and then buried underneath for the deities and then there were also you know sacrifices of some animals that mm-hmm. were bred specifically for that practice including dogs Mm -hmm. eagles jaguars and deer and you can actually i remember very vividly seeing 
Eagles, Jaguars, and Deer in that computer game that hey! I played when I was a kid. What an those accurate were like, computer game. Yeah. And then also Butterflies and Hummingbirds were also required for sacrifice, which makes sense which when makes you sense. think about like, that creation myth. And, and like what, what you become when you die. What you become when you die. So yeah. like some of those hummingbirds are the spirits of warriors mm-hmm. who died before. So um, there were sacrifices to specific gods. Mm-hmm. Um, so Huitzilopochtli was the identified with you know warfare and the one who also carried the fire breathing serpent Shuikoto uh, uh, mm-hmm. and was the primary god of the south manifestation of the sun and so he was worshipped at the Templo Mayor which was the primary religious structure of the Aztec couple, uh, capital of Tenochtitlan. Tenochtitlan. I there remember that from sixth grade. Yeah. <laughs> um, and so that would be where this victim would be placed on a sacrificial stone. The priest would then cut through the abdomen with an obsidian or flint blade, and then the heart would be torn out, still beating, and held towards the sky, sky to honor the sun god. This is the one that I vividly remember from the computer game. <laughs> and then the body would then be pushed down the pyramid where the... Koyolashui stone could be found, and then that stone recreates the story of Koyolashui Kui, who was Huizilopochili's sister, who was dismembered at the base of a mountain, just like the sacrificial victims were. Damn. And so then their body would be carried away to either be cremated or and then cut into pieces and send them basically either as an offering to be cremated, or ritual cannibalism. So, lots of fair ways. Fun to, times. Yeah, fun times. <laughs> Tezcatlipoca, who is the god of the night, sorcery, and destiny, and the god of the north. Mm-hmm. Also, people would make ritual sacrifice to him. One thing that Te- Tezcatlipoca did, he actually turned himself into Mixocotl, the god of the hunt, to make fire and like kind of teach the Aztecs to make fire. So, hmm. he... He is sometimes referred to he whose slaves we are. Like oh. they're all like super indebted to him. Wow. Basically, they either had captives who would do ritual sacrifice mm. to in ritual gladi- gladiatorial combat. Oh. And then they would die often fighting against four fully armed jaguar knights and eagle warriors. Oh shit. Yeah. During the 20-day month of Tuxacatl, a young impersonator of Tezcatlipoca would also be sacrificed as like a living incarnation of the god, and the youth would represent him on Earth, and he'd get four beautiful women as his companion until he was killed. Ooh! Yeah. Basically, what would happen was there would be a feast held in Tezcatlipoca's honor. The young man would climb the pyramid, break his flute, which he would play um, as he was walking around the streets during the, the kind of cer- ceremony festival, right. and then surrender, surrender his body to the priests. And it was kind of like almost like a Christian Easter type thing yeah. with like the death and rebirth and that yeah. kind of thing, except that the, the youth who played Tezcatlipoca would die. die. There's also a couple others, including Tlaloc, that there would be ritual uh, sacrifice to, and the one I mentioned before, Shipe Toltec, who was the Lord Arflayed one. They would also have their hearts taken out, oh. and it would be this like kind of forty day sacrifice thing where wow. like there there would be like a person who's picked forty days, and they would like do different things, but then eventually they would actually be you know killed and dismembered right their body parts later divided up to be eaten and then prior to death and dismemberment the victim's skin would actually be removed and worn by individuals who would fight battles and collect gifts from the citizens so again that their god ward flay skin so they would pick like one person to wear the flayed skin Hmm. i've heard of that one prior to this and didn't make the connection 
between like Aztecs and like this thing. Yeah. I think there is somewhere that still does something similar to this. They don't actually wear like a human flayed skin, but they wear like a flayed skin of an animal or they have like a mock thing, but yeah. they do something like that where someone has to wear this thing on them and like collect gifts or collect thing candy or stuff yeah. from the public. So it yeah, so some of some of the ritual sacrifice stuff that was done in the past obviously like in modern day era this doesn't happen right that we know of Ugh, um, that we hope that we hope but a lot of these traditions the deities the stories and everything have still continued to come up um, and yeah. still be like pra- like practiced or believed in even today so it's like yeah. a, it's a very fascinating culture and yeah. religion I, I yeah i just very vividly remember being a small <laughs> child and being like having your life ruined my dad got me this game because Yay! Oh, it wasn't even really a game. It was run on the computer, but there was no game component to it. It was it just, was teaching just you. I was clicking on things and it was teaching me facts. But this <laughs> computer dark pro- facts they were. Right, this computer program that I think my dad didn't expect me to like Oh, you're learning about ritual human sacrifice. You're five. Okay. <laughs> like I didn't think he expected that. But it's like, Dad, you're pretty smart. Like wouldn't you think that this game about, not game, this computer program about Westerners, Western <laughs> colonizers would be maybe a little, a little violent because history is violent? And I think he was like, you're six, you're old enough. Seems fine. <laughs> Seems fine. Well, are you ready for me to unruin your childhood by telling you about a dog? Tell me about a dog. Okay, first I'm going to talk to you about ghosts and then we'll get to dogs. Okay. Okay, so this part, I meant to talk about Aztec ghosts, but then, like, the first one I pulled up was, like, you've heard of La Llorona, and I'm like, oh, I already did that. And then, like, the other ones are just like, Mexico City is haunted by Aztec ghosts. And I was like, which Aztec ghosts? And they're like, fuck you, that's who. And I'm like, oh, okay. And then they were like, give us money. And I was like, I don't want to. I don't want to turn off my ad blocker for you to tell me nothing. (laughs) Anyway, so this came from Wikipedia, ancient.eu, National Geographic, and culturacolectiva.com. As a general rule of thumb, the Aztecs did not like ghosts. They just did not. Because the main underworld was a super grim place and it was believed that nobody could return from it, the Aztecs were like, automatically, if a ghost has come back from that, this is bad news bears. Either it means that something terrible is already happening or this is a bad omen of something to come. Yeah. So they're like, you came from Mictlan where you have to travel for four years getting fucking tortured. Why are you back? Why are you back? Why did you go through that four years again? Uh oh, this can't be good. Mm-mm. So yeah, the they're, they're, the two main scenarios, neither is good. Either doom is happening now or doom's coming. Not good. You have some options in terms of how to protect yourself against ghosts, which the Aztecs were all about, because again, don't like ghosts. The Aztecs believed that dogs could both see and protect you from wayward spirits. Some people were even buried with their dogs when they died so that the dog would guide them through Mictlan. And some dogs more than others had this particular ability. Specifically, the Xoloitz Quintli. The Xoloitz Quintli, which has, it's spelled not at all how you say it in Western words, but I'll put it in the episode that's, description. You'll recognize the dog when you see it. It's the dog from Coco. That's literally the last line of my notes. God damn sorry, you. Sorry, no, because... When dog from Coco, to... Chekhov's dog from Coco. Because when you when you said, like, when you said... The dog in the afterlife. Well, you said dog in la- like Yeah, before. Charlotte's Queensley. Yeah, I was like, that's that's just what Dante... <laughs> yep. 
Anyway, we're going to check off Coco that. Okay. We'll be back in a minute. Sholo. The Sholo, it's quaintly, or just Sholo, gets its name from two Aztec words. Zolot, whom you may remember from earlier when he was guiding people through the afterlife with his handy dog companion. And it's quaintly, which means dog. According to the myth, dog of Zolot, the dog of Zolot was created by the god himself out of a piece of the bone of life. Their purpose was to protect the living and to serve as underworld guide. Sometimes called Sholo, this dog breed has been around for at least 3,500 years, which is bananas. And it's still around today, although they are, like, reported, like, pure-blood Sholos are pretty rare. Mm-hmm. For the most part, There, I think it said something like there's only, like, 20,000 declared Sholos in the world. Mm-hmm. But that has to do more with, like, what they term as being a declared Sholo, like, what has to be, like, a purebred Sholo is kind of unusual, and most people don't go through the bother. They're just like, mm-hmm. eh, I just have this dog. It's probably a Sholo. Anyway, it's believed to be one of the first dog breeds in the world, and frankly, it does kind of look like one that would know a thing or two about the underworld. I, I pulled up a picture. I think you've pulled yeah. up pictures, too, but, my, like, look at this. This dog knows about hell. My, it kind of reminds me of, you know, the a- uh, ancient Egyptian mythology, the dog with yeah, the Anubis. Head? Anubis? Yeah, Anubis. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It reminds me of Anubis's head, but yeah, also... Yeah, that's what this dog looks like, is Anubis. Are you going to talk about their teeth? No. No. This breed of dog has kind of weak teeth. It's prone to losing their teeth. So if you've seen Coco, Dante's tongue just kind of like flops out of his mouth because he's lost some of his teeth. But yeah, they have like healing powers. They do. I'm about to get into it. I'm so excited. It's such a good dog. (laughs) I was like doing research and I'm like, man, if the Aztecs don't like ghosts and nothing's telling me, what am I going to talk about? And then I found this dog and I'm like, ooh, fuck, I'm good. Dante from Coco. So remember how I said some people were buried with their dogs? Well, if you didn't have a dog or if yours was still alive at the time of your death and you didn't want to ritually sacrifice them, which some people did and it's very sad, you would get a Kolima dog instead, which is a ceramic dog that symbolized your dog guide that would wait for you on the other side. So you would be buried with, and they found this in a ton of tombs, Mm -hmm. these ceramic dogs, these Kolima dogs that are just going to wait for you to kick the bucket. And then on the other side, they're like, bork, bork, friend, let's travel through Mictalon together, which is precious. And I love it. Historical accounts describe Sholos as being tucked into blankets at night to help keep their unfurry bodies warm because they, for the most part, they don't have fur. They're little naked puppers. And so they get cold at night, so they tuck them into blankets. So there are, like, Spanish conquistadors who are, like, fucking murder everything, die, die, die. But then, like, they write in their, like, conquistador diary, dear diary, today I saw some Aztecs tuck a dog in because they were worried it would get cold because it doesn't have fur. Which is so cute and <sighs> off so topic terrible. for a conquistador right. day. But that's that's how we know the, that they did it. The team at Pixar gave Dante just little of fur. <laughs> like a little tuft of fur on his head to give We're gonna him. We're going to get into that too. Give, give him little a character. Little a character. <laughs> Dante can have little, little of fur. He can have little they also possibly earned their spooky reputation because of the dog's uncanny ability to tell when someone is sick or possibly even dying. So Sholos have this... And they, you remember a couple years ago, there was that cat, I think his name was Oscar, yeah. who was at a nursing home, and whoever's bed he slept on, the next day would be dead. Yeah. And they're like, oh shit, this cat can tell the future. Sholos are kind of like that. Yeah. Where they're like, this person is sick, I'm going to snuggle with them. They're so in tune. Yeah, they just, re- they can like almost smell it, I guess. I don't oh, know. Geez. I'm not a dog scientist. I wish I were. If you'd like to pay for me to go to dog scientist school, <laughs> email spoopower.gmail.com. Anyway, modern solo owners can expect a dog that is extremely smart and able to open doors, crates, and just generally get into trouble because they're too smart for their own good. But the dog can also serve as kind of like a hot water bottle because 
they don't have fur. And so their bodies are an excellent conductor of heat because they don't have the fur that traps it in. So when you are holding a sholo, you're getting all of that heat and all of that warmth. And that is what gave them the ancient reputation of being a medicinal dog because their warmth could be used to treat things like joint pains, arthritis, rheumatism that they didn't have other treatment for. It's like, oh, your joints are hurting? Hold this puppy. Now you feel better. And I put in my notes, good dogs. So cute. (laughs) Isn't that nice? As an aside, very few of the dogs now are born completely hairless, as, surprisingly, it is a recessive gene in Sholos mm-hmm. to have no fur whatsoever. Most have at least little a hair. Little like, a they'll hair. just have, like, a little tuft on the top of their head. They're kind of, like, they're considered much like Chinese Cresteds, which are also a very old dog breed. They're mostly hairless, but they will have just, like, ear plumes. So, like, they, they have some fur. In more bummer news, and if you don't want to hear, like, sad dog stuff, go ahead and skip ahead 15 seconds. Some religious ceremonies would eat sholos back in the day as they were one of two domesticated animals other than turkeys. So it was turkeys and sholos. And they were also thought to possess extremistic powers. So people would be like, if I eat it, I'm going to get that power. This likely ended when the conquistador showed up because, in among all the other ways they were horrible, the conquistadors started... As they started exterminating people, they also started exterminating the dogs, and they nearly ate them out of existence. And then I put a frowning face in my notes. It's very sad. But they're back now. Sholos were very popular in the 1920s around the world because Frida Kahlo and Diego Rivera had a few that came to be affiliated with their signature aesthetic. Like, they'd be seen in public with their, like, three or four Sholos. And even with that, the breed didn't gain worldwide recognition until about 1956, most recently, a Sholo was featured in the Disney movie Coco. Dante the dog is a Sholo. <laughs> you can find Sholos on Pet Finder. There's one in Alaska. His oh, name is Little Beans. Little Beans. Look at him. Little oh. Beans. This is where Spoof Hour full-on turns into the animal podcast we always wanted it to be. <laughs> There's so- a bunch that are just like mixes. Yeah. A you lot can of- get them mixed with the Chihuahua, which oh. is... I'm starting to wonder if... My friend Rogelio, my Brogelio, yes, is a mix mixed because with- he's a Chihuahua, but he also kind of looks like this one who's mixed a Sholo with a Chihuahua. Oh yeah, yeah, like the Sholo dog. I'm in dog spotting on Facebook, and every so often people will visit Mexico and post pictures of these dogs. And the first time I saw them, I was like, "That's a real dog. That looks like an illustration of like the dog of the dead," because it. Like, he's, you know... They don't look real, but they're so they don't. cute! They are sweet in their own way. And so they're anyway, so those are Sholos. So if you are you have a Sholo-shaped hole in your life, go ahead and adopt one of these little and puppies. And send us pictures. Yes, we demand pictures. Shout out to Cassie, who sent us pictures of her little dingus Drebin. Yeah, Love him so much. Send us pictures of your dogs. Yeah, or your Not cats. even if it's a Sholo. Yeah, dogs, just... cats, birds, ferrets, any animal you have. Yeah, if you're like, I think my pet is cute, it is. Let us be the judge. Spoiler alert, they're all cute. They're all cute. The thing I related to most in Detective Pikachu is the young lady in the movie is working for the universe's stand-in BuzzFeed, and she's like, I just keep having to do listicles of, like, top ten cutest Pokemon. She goes, newsflash, they're all cute. And Jack turns to me and he goes, that's you. And I'm like, it is! (laughs) They are all cute. So show me your cute pets. Yeah. Yeah, so thank you for listening to this episode of Spoop Hour. It was a blast. Yeah. We hope you learned something. Thank you for being patient with our terrible pronunciations. We did our best. But now I want to go research Mayans. Ooh, yeah. We should, we should <laughs> add we that should to the that. calendar at some point. I definitely want to talk about the 2012 end of the world prophecy. Me too. Forever. what if 
The world actually did end in 2012. Oh, God, that's what we've been dealing with? Dealing with. I Also, I want to bring up that one thing we talked about earlier um, when we were recording with podcasts we listened to. Yes. About the other podcast you talked to. Yes. Where they were like, what if ghosts, ghosts are, are from an alternate timeline? Or, alternate or from timeline history. Or pre- history, like it's a previous timeline, and like ghosts are where like the veil of time is thin, and so... We might appear as a ghost to someone in the past, and they might be appearing to us as a ghost from the future. You know, like this this weird thing where like they see us and they're like, yeah. "Who's that lady?" It's and like that movie, The Others. Yeah, who's the real ghost? Right. So that's mm. yeah. We got some future episodes for you. Yeah, Thanks I'm for really listening. Excited. So I've been thinking about that while we were recording. <laughs> but yeah, thank you for telling me about the dog. Yes, you're welcome. Thank you for talking to me about everything, human sacrifices. But now I want to go watch Coco. You can go watch Coco. Coco. You should go watch Coco too, listener. Thanks for listening. Don't forget to find us on the internet at Spoop Hour. Support our Patreon if you want. If If you you don't, it's okay. That's okay. We forgive you. It's our podcast. Yeah, we love it. Keep listening to us. Yeah, and thanks for talking to us. Have a great week. Hopefully, nobody ritually sacrifices you. Cuddle with the dog. Yay! Are you into history that's strange, weird, bizarre, creepy, and crazy? Maybe even spooky and scary with some monsters and mystery sprinkled in? Then You Totally Made That Up is the podcast for you. It's just like the name says. We tell you stories that are so unbelievable, they sound like someone must have totally made them up. Here's the thing, though. We don't focus on legends and lore. Our tales are filled with names and dates and all the facts we can find. So they're true stories, even when things try to take a supernatural paranormal turn. We've been known to bust myths on occasion, but mostly we just have a good laugh at all the things that can't and can be explained. Check us out on all your favorite podcast platforms and look for new episodes on Thursdays. We come at you bi-weekly with occasional bite-sized bonus episodes in between. You can also find us on Twitter at YTMTU Podcast and on Instagram at You Totally Made That Up. Sasha just pointed at the audio spike from her little uh, pat lap dance. That was a weird way for lap, me to pat put that. Lap pat dance. Pat lap. Pat lap dance. This is my friend, dance, Pat, Pat Lap Dance. Dance, Pat Lap. <laughs> Hi, Dance, Pat Lap. Nice to meet you. I'm here to sell you a house. Hi, nice to meet you, Mr. Pat Lap. Oh, call me Dance. Mr. Pat Lap's my dad. <laughs>